Are you in integrity? Are you getting uncomfortable? Are you growing? And if you're checking all those boxes, then that's all that matters. And just having honest conversations with myself every time something comes up. Is this a limiting belief? Is this a pattern from your mom that you are taking in and this is her system and not yours? Understanding how to discern between those things, you know, taking feedback from a client and saying, is this a client? And that's their feedback. And I honor and respect that, but that's not how we operate. And knowing that to stay in integrity as we are, we take that and sort of move forward. The Next Level Life podcast by Christine Corcoran is for all heart-centered entrepreneurs who want to up-level their mindset, motivation, and business to make a positive and meaningful impact in the world today. So if you love what you do and want to hear from inspiring thought leaders and successful business owners where we have real conversations and real connections, then this is for you. I want to assist you in finding the clarity and awareness you need to up-level your mindset, and set your soul on fire to take massive aligned action in your business so you can take your life to the next level. Ready to get started? Let's go. Welcome to the next episode of the Next Level Life podcast. Today, I have an incredible guest for you by the name of Callie Moore. Callie is the co-founder and CEO of Soulfire Productions, the premier podcast network for thought leaders, free thinkers, and visionaries. And she's also been the host of two top-rated podcasts, The Kelly Show and OK Babe. Kelly is deeply passionate about helping people see themselves more clearly and helping them set themselves up free from expectations, people-pleasing, and stories that hold us back in our lives. She's also an Emmy award-winning former sports TV host with the eye of truth and an ear for She loves creating life-changing experiences for audiences and holding space for creatives to seek deeper expression within themselves and to create a genuine space for community. Our conversation today covers whether podcasting is right for you and the powerful questions to ask yourself before you start one. We talk all about how to create community and how your community can drive the changes within your business to support your growth. We talk about the power of podcasting and why now is the best time to start a podcast and how to action your values within your business and how to use them to attract the right people. We also explore how failure can sometimes be the best thing for you and how to know when you're growing and when to ask for help. So let me introduce you to the beautiful Callie Moore. I'm so grateful to have you here today, Kelly. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, Christine. I'm excited about our conversation and all the different places it's going to go. And before we even dive into your backstory and and all the things that you're doing, I would love to dive in straight away with a question and Mm -hmm. ask you what's something that you've done in the last, say, six to 12 months that you feel has moved your business forward? Oh, that's a really interesting question. Um, I think delegating deeper um, and more often has been really helpful for me. I'm pregnant right now. I'm in my second trimester and we had to go through the IVF process starting at the end of last year. And so I just got really clear on what I had time for and what I didn't and where my energy was being sucked. Um, And knowing that if soul fire and having a baby were my two babies and my priorities that a lot of things had to go. And so I just had a lot of conversations with our team about what people could take on. Our COO has stepped into a much bigger role um, and will continue to do so as we get closer to baby. And um, I think it's really changed the dynamic of Soulfire because when we started, I was the center of the universe. You know, it's, it's my company. I'm the face of the company. And I think we all sort of start like that. But I got really clear on the fact that you can't necessarily scale when it's always my time because 
I only have so much time. And so I think getting really clear on how I could delegate who was better at certain things than me. I'm so happy when I hire people, which is pretty much my whole team. They're smarter and better at so many things than I am. Um, and so I really have empowered them to take more ownership over their roles and to grow, which I think has just catapulted our company in so many ways and really allowed them to thrive and grow in the people that they are so that they have you know, more ownership and more responsibility, which in turn makes it way more fun for them to do what they do, which then creates a much better product at the end of the day. Yeah. And a much better culture, right? When everyone's yes. in their zone of genius and doing things that they love doing and that they're great at, they're more yeah. happy. They're more likely to stay around. They're more likely to actually enjoy with other people that are working in their zones of genius, right? Like it's everything. Yeah. It's amazing when we step up, step back and stop micromanaging people, how amazing they can be. <laughs> I'd love to know, how would you have described yourself as a business owner before hiring team compared to now? Um, well, we started with a team. So this is my first company. Um, before this, I was a TV host. So I always worked for people and just did what they told me to do. So we started um, with a couple people on our team, including myself and my now husband. Um, but I think back then I was, I was a lot more scattered and more fear-based um, and almost more, what's the word, like desperate desperate for people to approve of what we were doing, desperate for clients to pay us. Yeah. Um, and it came from such a place of fear. And I think now, um, because I know that what we do works and because I've seen such incredible results with so many clients and because our team and our culture is so good, I have such a, an abundance mindset and this idea that I don't have to be in fear because how many times has there been a fire and we figured it out or we put the fire out or we've been better because something went wrong and it caused us, we actually just hired five people in two weeks, which was insane. Probably wow. never going to do that again, <laughs> but we got to a point where it was like, holy crap, we need to hire people. And so I went out and I just happened to find a bunch of people at one time that totally fit what we were creating. And what happened in hiring five people in two weeks is that we identified a lot of holes in our systems that our current team, our core team hadn't identified because they would just figure it out and keep going. And yeah. so it totally changed the way we do things. And it was such an incredible lesson. So at first it was, you know, kind of difficult to take head on and we're like, oh man, what did we do? But now a month later, we're so grateful that that happened because it made our business and just the way we work on a daily basis so much better. Mm, that's so good. Isn't it funny? Like you just have to have that fresh set of eyes coming in and you see things from a whole new light and go, oh my God, why have we been doing it this way for so long? Or exactly. not noticed this before. Exactly. <laughs> so, so for those who are listening, I'd love to, for you to give just a little bit of a backstory. So tell us more about how Soulfire Productions came about and what led you to create it. Yeah. So like I said, I was a TV host. Um, I did that for about 14 years and I worked in sports, covered the Lakers and the Dodgers at the end. And I had always worked with men and I had chronic illness for about 14 years and a lot of things kind of came to a head at the end of that career. And I just knew that it was time for me to move on. And so when I left that, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. And I didn't have a lot of skills <laughs> in many areas because I had been a host for my whole life. Um, since high school, really, I had been on TV. And so I just started thinking, okay, what can I do with the skills that I have and the things that really light me up and make me happy? knowing that I want to work with women and then I'm sort of done being immersed in just this male culture. And so 
because I was on the other end of my healing from chronic illness, I really wanted to have conversations that empowered women around their own healing journeys. So giving them resources of alternative medicine, you know, different ways to research, just helping them feel like they weren't alone. And so I took my ability to interview because I had done that for my whole life. And I just merged it with a thing that I really cared about. And also with this idea of being of service to women and creating community around that. And so the podcast came to life and it took on many different iterations as I changed as you know, that's what happens as podcasters. It just becomes who we become. And I started in chronic illness and alternative healing, and it went into spirituality and plant medicine and business and sexuality and, and just sort of lots of twists and turns. Um, and during that time I had met my now husband and he had a background in podcasting and the podcast production company that I had been with was a lot of guys and they didn't pay attention to detail. I didn't feel like they were holding a vision for me, helping me along. They didn't give me any advice of, you know, make sure you get reviews and ratings. And this is a great way to put the show together or, Hey, you could be better at X, Y, Z. And I just felt like there had to be a better way. And he had seen it from the other side as well. And he knew that there was a better way. And so we kind of came together along with our now COO and we just started it from scratch and figured out where all the holes were in the podcast space and how we could fill them while also being a female led company and supporting the voices of mostly women, because most voices in podcasting are men and women are not getting enough support. And so it just sort of came to life pretty quickly. Um, we launched right before the pandemic. So January of 2020, um, and we started with a few clients and we have about 40 now, and it's been really fun to see how it's really taken life and has been driven by the people who have come to us and the feedback we've gotten and how we can be better. And also, I mean, you know, this social media is changing every single day. So trying to stay ahead of whatever the heck Instagram decides to do tomorrow. So it's been really fun. <laughs> You're so right. Like all the, yeah. all the bloody changes. Yeah. Um, and I think I love that. And I think that listening, especially to the people that you're helping is honestly like the biggest thing that you can do. Mm -hmm. But I love how you also talk about that. You've brought such, you create a real community with it as well. So that was obviously missing with the production company you were with before. And mm -hmm. then so tell us a little bit more about how you introduced that and the feedback that you got from creating community around it. Yeah. So our COO wanted her other title to be head of community because she loves putting on events. She loves bringing people together. We're both really great at being bridges and introducing the right people and all of that. And when we started the company, the two things and the two words that really came forward for us were community and transparency. One, the podcast space feels like it's run by a bunch of people who know the answers and won't give them to anyone else. And we didn't like that. We were like, this doesn't seem right. Why isn't there a sharing concept here? Why isn't it, oh, hey, I did this for my show. It really helped with ratings and reviews. You should do it too. But there's such a competitive landscape in the space. Um, and why all the secrecy? I just don't get it. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we wanted that to be at the forefront of everything we did. And then the community piece was, well, how can we bring all these amazing people together? Um, and how can we all help each other and learn from one another? Many of our hosts are in similar space, personal development, spirituality, sexuality. So it's like, well, we clearly have all these really brilliant, amazing, successful people some of which who have never had podcasts, how can we infuse what's working? And then they can teach us whatever they're doing on their end. And so we created a mastermind. Um, and so we have a monthly mastermind with our hosts and it's been really profound because what we've been able to do, and there's been different iterations of it, but 
we've been able to bring in guest teachers who are outside of the podcast space to teach about marketing or how to ask better questions or how to pitch yourself for a podcast. Um, but we've also had our own hosts teach. So they've come in, one of our hosts had her Instagram completely deleted and had to start all the way over. And she has a multi-million dollar business driven by Instagram. And so I had her teach on what she did and her business ended up being more successful because of the way she handled everything. But I really wanted her to share with people what that process looked like, because that could happen to any of us at any time. And it's not about podcasting, right? It's about our businesses and humanity and all of these different things. Um, we had another host who had a best-selling book and she taught everyone every single step she did to publish it, have it on every bestseller list and all of those things, because so many of our hosts want to write. Um, and so for us, it's how can we come in and share everything we know about what's happening in the podcast landscape from Apple, you know, the al algorithm, the way things are lined up to, hey, the 30 seconds, the first 30 seconds of your show are actually more important now, the way they're changing things, we're going to change the way we're editing this. Just little things like that, that can actually have a huge impact on your show. We share that with them every month. And then we go through questions and, and just things that are coming up for them. Um, so that everyone can be better at what they do. And it's one of the biggest reasons people come to work with us because there's lots of ways to get your podcast edited. But do you have community? Do you have transparency? Do you have people holding your vision? Do you have people sharing strategy with you and looking at your business and your podcast as a whole holistically with a bird's eye view saying, this doesn't make sense. There's a hole here. How do we bridge this gap? Um, and so it's been really cool to have that driven by the community aspect. Mm, absolutely. It's so funny because like podcasting can feel so isolating in a way, right? Like, and I often yeah. say this on my podcast, like <clears throat> if, if you're resonating with something, you need to come and tell me on Instagram because yeah. I don't know, like all I'm seeing is the downloads, which I'm imagining that some of the topics are obviously more important than others, but sometimes like you just don't hear it. And I think it's so one-sided sometimes and you're wanting to try and build community. And I think that I, I love podcasting for the fact that people feel like they get to really know you and they mm -hmm. feel like they're close to you because you're in their ear and hearing all of your thoughts. And I think that's an amazing modality. And I think that so many more people could benefit this from this, but from a podcaster's point of view, to have that type of circle of people is, is super powerful because you don't see what you can't see. Yeah. 100%. Super powerful. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting, like here's a stat most people don't know. There's over 2.3 million podcasts in Apple podcasts, but only 300,000 of them are actually active. There really aren't that many podcasts. Wow. I right? didn't know that. Yeah. And so there's so much space. There's so much room to grow. There's so much room for community to help each other, but we have it in our heads that it's like, cut her down. She talks about the same thing as me. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it just doesn't have to be like that. How can we engage with our communities? Podcasting is so beautiful because it's like you said, it's the most intimate experience you can have other than a live event. And so you get on here, you have a conversation, you do a solo episode, you're sharing from the heart, you're teaching things, you're guiding people in their businesses, and they may never have access to you one-on-one. -on -one. They may never take your program, but you can make true change in someone's life just through a podcast. And I wish more people people understood just how open the space is and how much room there is for opportunity for you to connect with your community. And you don't have to have 10,000, hundred thousand downloads an episode. You can have 500 downloads an episode, have an incredibly successful business and have such a beautiful community that continues to help each other grow. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Hallelujah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would love to know though, because you were talking earlier about how you, there was like some type of mindset shift that happened because you were, you, when you first started the company, there was an element of like desperation and you had a lot of fear. What shifted in your mindset to be able to come to that place of abundance with comparison, right? Like being able to bring the community together and chat and share ideas has to come from a mindset shift of like, we're not competitors. We're actually here to support each other. Yeah. I mean, I think there's two things that happened before I got to the competitive landscape is um, one COVID hit and we almost lost the business. We didn't have a ton of clients at the time. Um, and I was having to bankroll the team's payroll for a few months. We didn't qualify for any government assistance. And so that was really scary. I remember I was on the floor in a ball crying. Like I had just spent six months of my life pouring everything I had into this business to get it started. And then all of a sudden it was about to be gone. And I know so many people resonate with that. And I had to have a come to Jesus with myself. And my husband had to come to Jesus with me and say, okay, what are we doing? where can we let go of things? Where do we need to focus? How do we, you know, build on what's working and let go of the rest. And so I think that's when I first had this idea of delegating and relying on people who are smarter than me. And then the second thing that happened was my mom died. And so much of me starting this business and feeling like I needed to be the center of attention and the center of the universe was because I was trying to prove to my mom my worthiness and my value. She was so proud of me when I was a TV host. It was her dream job. She was a huge um, sports fan. So many of the people that I worked with and got to know were some of her childhood heroes. And so for her, she was just like, this is the greatest thing ever. That's my daughter. I'm so proud. And then when I left that, it kind of left a hole. And I feel like so much of what I was doing with Soulfire in the beginning was trying to prove to her, look how amazing I am as the CEO. This is all about me. People want to work with me. And when she died, I remember talking to my therapist and I was sharing some things with her and she said, well, why did you even start this? And it's when I had this realization of I'm trying to prove to my mom that I'm worthy again. And so I knew that I loved Soulfire. I knew what I was, I knew that I loved what I was doing, but it was the driving force that had to go. And so I just, again, had a really honest conversation with myself about how can you continue doing what you love without this external need for validation being the driving force. And so I just continue to work at it and it's still a work in progress, right? Like we all love validation and we want to be the center of our company, but I think I just was okay with letting go and knowing that the business was bigger than me in so many ways. And it wasn't about me. It's about our clients and about their messages. And, you know, it just took a lot of personal work and, and honesty around what that would look like and feel like, and knowing that, you know, so much of this is not a representation of who I am as a person. It's its own thing. And if I can separate the two and understand that and say, even if my business fails, it doesn't mean I'm a bad person or I'm a failure. That really takes a lot of pressure off. So I think that's what came forward. And then I just realized like, I don't have to compete. I created a, a new life for a reason so that I wouldn't have to compete with other women for jobs. So that I didn't have to get validation from men every day in order to be good at my job. And if, if I win, you win. And that means we all win. And isn't that the whole point? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's that shift, right? From that masculine piece of like in the masculine, it's very competitive, right? But it, but I'm very much driven by the logic of like, do better. Whereas with yes. feminine, like it is bringing people together and allowing ourselves to all succeed together. Yeah. So that's super yeah. powerful. Yeah. Uh, what a huge shift. It's, it's so interesting losing a parent, isn't it? Like it just, 
I've recently lost my dad and I think it's you do have so many soul searching conversations and your foundations shift and it's just this whole other way of looking at things and I think that and again saying similar to what you were saying like when we do start our businesses it is very much for ourselves we have that internal drive of like what we want to create but then at some point it does actually have to shift from you to others and you separate yourself from your business as well because otherwise if your self-worth is always attached to your business you'll always be wanting right you'll always be searching outside of yourself and i think yeah. that's having that shift and it's a much better way to do business really like live life isn't it <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a lot healthier, I think. And I can ampl amplify my own voice all day, but my goal is to amplify voices of other people, to use a platform that I have to support other people and theirs. And I know that that just amplifies my message as well. You know, it's, I really do feel like it's all energy and it's all cyclical and it's like this give and take. And we all have the opportunity at different times in our lives to do that. And I do feel like Soulfire is such an opportunity to give so much to our clients who haven't had that support, haven't had that awareness. Um, and I think we do a really amazing job of that. Mm, that's it. And so many people have so many incredible voices that if we don't give them the space to actually share it, it we could be missing out on so much, right? If we're so ego driven of like, oh no, but I'm the only one that can speak on this topic. We're missing out. We're actually really yeah. missing out on, th on things. Yeah. Oh, and I, I mean, it's so interesting. So we have this show, it's called That Sex Chick and it's hosted mostly by Alexa, but Bryn, who is her, you know, counterpart and runs the company with her and is one of her sex coaches. She also does a lot of the podcasts. And I really believe that it's why her podcast has taken off and has grown so quickly is because Alexa and Bryn are very different people and they reach very different audiences and Alexa can be intimidating and, you know, very much like the boss and Bryn is more the girl next door and like your girlfriend that you're sharing things with. And so I think they have done such a great job of delegating different topics to each other, handling different shows, and then reaching massive amounts of people because of it. And I think that there's such an opportunity for that. I'm not going to reach the same people as you and vice versa. And I think that's so awesome because then we're reaching more people with these messages of whatever it is, empowerment, business, you know, sexuality, spirituality. We get to talk to so many more people and change more people's lives because we're creating the space to do so rather than, oh, well, I have to take all of it up. I don't have time to teach a billion people about sexuality. <laughs> it's not possible. Right. But how, why, why can't I empower myself and empower you to do that? And then we reach more people together. And the whole point is to help people at the end of the day. Absolutely. Totally agree. I love that. And so you mentioned before we hit record, we were talking about, you just recently revisited your values for the business mm -hmm. for the company. Did they, like, I'm imagining that there was some type of shift from that original thought around, sometimes we don't even do values at the beginning, but I wonder, did you do your values before you started the company and then redid them? Or was this a whole new exercise? Yeah. Um, it was really new in the fact that it was written down and like thought out. I think in the beginning, transparency and community were very clearly our two values. Um, and we talked about them all the time. Most of our clients can repeat that when people come to us, we tell them that's what we care about. But I'm in this mastermind right now with um, the creator of Cured Nutrition. And he talks about basically taking your values, but then making a noun a verb. So what are the actions within the values that you're taking to make that happen on a daily basis? Um, so if you're of service, going above and beyond is one of the action steps, the verb for being of service as a core value. And so we just got more clear on 
okay, if we're creating community, if transparency matters to us, if we're of service, if we're pushing boundaries, what does that actually look like on a daily basis for us as a company? But then how are we attracting those clients to us who also share the same values? Because the clients that we've lost, it's been so clear that we don't share the same values, that we're not on the same page. And I think some of those clients were the desperation clients that I was like, please give me your money so I can survive. (laughs) And that's when we, you know, we give up and we don't stay true to our integrity with our core values. And I think for us, we're at a point now where we get to stay in integrity with our core values at all times. And if someone is not a match and they don't fit within that landscape, then it's okay. And it doesn't mean they're wrong or that we're right. It's just, we have to align so that we can provide the best service to you and be on the same page. And so it was really cool to collaborate with our entire team to make that happen because as much as I could create the core values, which I kind of did in the beginning, this was a collaborative effort where we all came forward and we listed out, this is how we show up for our clients. These are the types of people we like to serve. This is what matters to us on a daily basis. If something goes wrong, this is how we show up. And hearing that from my employees of what they do and how they think about it was so incredible and so empowering for me as a leader, because not only did we share a vision, but I hadn't told them most of the things that they wrote down. And I'm like, wow, it's like you were you cheating and looking at my paper. Like we were so aligned in what we wanted for the company. So it was really cool. I love that. It sounds like a really similar exercise that I do with a lot of business owners that I work with. It's so empowering from a place of your team embodying. Like that's the way I look at it. It's like they're embodying their values in their everyday and they become part of the business because they are embodying those values. And you're so right. Like we actually do attract based on our values. And if we are aware of it, we can start to utilize it in our marketing strategy as well, because you want more people that value what you value and people make their decisions sometimes that underlying decision based on the value, right? They feel connected to you because you value certain things. Yeah. Like it's, it's super interesting. And I think it mirrors into your personal life as well. The first time I ever heard about core values, I was in therapy with my husband. We were just dating at the time. I think we were five or six months in um, going through this program together. And the therapist had us write down our core values separately. And we were not in a good place. We were fighting. Things were off. It just didn't feel good. And we came to the session one day. We hadn't shown each other our core values. And we sit down and she goes, okay, Kelly, read your core values. Okay, Connor, read your core values. And we had every single one of the same core values, except for one. And she's like, see, y'all might hate each other right now, but you actually want the same things out of life. So let's talk about this. And so much of it was just us getting in our own way, not understanding each other, not realizing that we were actually on the same page, but the way we verbalize and show up looks very differently because we're really different people. And so once we went through that exercise, I feel like we realized we were on the same team, that we were fighting for the same things. And that though it may look differently and be uncomfortable sometimes, at the end of the, at the end of the day, we had the same vision and we had the same desires. And I really took that into the company. It's like, it's the same as being in a relationship. Like my relationship with our COO is like, we're married. And so (laughs) if she and I can battle it out and she can come to me and say, no, I don't agree with you. And I think this is the way we should do it. If at the end of the day, we resonate with the same core values and are holding that same vision, I get to trust her in her challenge of me as the CEO and co-founder of the company, because she knows what our values are. She knows that at the end of the day, this is what matters most. 
And though I may be distracted or seeing it in another way, it will always come back to that. And I trust her to guide me back to those things. And I think it's just so powerful for what we can create as a foundation for communication. Mm, Absolutely. And it builds so much trust, right? Like you Mm -hmm. now know that you can trust her to make important decisions because she has those values as the North Star to guide her of the way that we do things, right? Like it's it's everything. And I I just love that you've explored that on a whole other level now because it's just going to start to shift things in a really powerful way. It's just Mm -hmm. awesome. Thank you. So I would love to know, where do you want to take Soulfire? Where's it? What's the big vision? Yeah, that's a great question. So our goal is to almost double our clients for podcasting. And so I just want more people to feel supported within the podcast space. I think it's so funny. We get so many word of mouth referrals. We just started marketing, which is really cool because so much of what we've done has been a friend of a friend and people within our little bubble. And so we're venturing out of that now and people are getting to know who we are and see that we even exist. Um, And just being able to introduce ourselves to the world feels really good. And I know that there are so many people out there that we can be of service to, whether it's with, you know, monthly, monthly production, consulting, you know, on a one, one month by one month basis creating strategy for them. But I also see that there's a bigger vision here. I really want this to be a media company beyond podcasting. There's so much content created and we create so much video content, whether it's for Instagram Reels, IGTV, TikTok, YouTube, for people's websites, for their emails. And I think we have a really amazing pulse on how to reach those people's ideal audiences and how to take their stories and put it into video format to create that intimacy that you get within a podcast. And so we really want to work with more creators who don't necessarily have podcasts and be able to storytell. Same thing with brands. I really want to build this out more for brands. So much of the strategy we do in the vision is who are you talking to? What is the message? How are you reaching them? And we've done that a lot with brands who we work with through podcast advertising. And so we mostly service small to medium-sized podcasts. And I just noticed that a lot of these brands don't have support. So how can we bring those brands in, do something similar that we do for our podcast clients and send them on their way so that they have more clear strategy and a better vision for how to communicate with their audience and their community so that they're not running around like a chicken with their head cut off because that's what we see so often. It's like, I don't know how to reach these people. How do I connect with my community? What should my sales page look like? And that's just so much of what we've already done. So I see it sort of being three-pronged in podcasts, creators, and brands in general, and just creating content at a high level. Love it. Love it. That sounds amazing. And I think actually, I'd love to know, do you find that sometimes podcasters start a podcast because they're fearful of video? Hmm. That's interesting. I think podcasters start podcasts and then I tell them they have to have video with podcasts and then they freak out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So probably. (laughs) That's what literally why I started mine. And then so then ventured into video, but I think because you realize that you do have to do video. And I think that's the next phase is like where Instagram is going more into TikTok, right? Like it's more and more video. People are much more likely with someone seeing you, they build that level of trust and credibility. So has that been a big hesitation for a lot of your podcasters to start doing more video? Um, I wouldn't say it's a huge hesitation. I think people, um, People just don't realize how much the video impacts the podcast and the number of downloads and how far your reach goes. We have taken a few clients who have come to us with established podcasts for four or five years, and they had no video content whatsoever. And we implemented video content and their downloads doubled and tripled within months because 
what video does, and you know this, so I'm preaching to the choir, but it is another invitation in for your listener. It maybe not everyone who watches your video is going to go listen to the podcast. Maybe all they want is that 30, 60 second nugget of teaching and wisdom, and then they go on their merry way. But what most often happens is that someone watches your video they're like, wow, I love this. Christine is amazing. I love the way she's communicating this. I want to be her client. I should listen to the podcast. I want to learn more about this topic. And so it's just a very welcoming, warming, um, easy way to bring people into the podcast space um, that may have never found you. And I think it just creates another level of intimacy, especially when you're a coach or a teacher. People want to know what that one-on-one -on -one experience feels like. And when they can see you on video and listen to your voice and get two almost different versions, but the same idea, they feel so much more comfortable to work with you, to pay that dollar for whatever program you have going on and to invite you into their space as well. hundred percent, hundred percent. And I must admit, I probably don't use my video as much, as effective as I possibly could. It's something that I <laughs> be a bit more proactive with for sure. It's, it's one of those things, right? And I think that's why leaning into that next level of media company is so important because as like business owners and we're doing the thing in our business because I was a coach I, I need to coach have time to do coaching mm -hmm. and then all the content creation it's like this whole other thing on top of oh my goodness and so yes hiring someone in their zone of genius to do that would be definitely key yeah I mean that's a huge reason why we started because I was I had like seven different teams I had the podcast team the video team the social team like, oh my God, my brain hurts and I'm having to babysit yeah. everyone and nothing is cohesive. And there isn't just one person like holding that high level vision so that everything falls within that. And so we really wanted to be the one-stop shop for podcasters where you could get all of that in one place and not have to worry about all the back end and the logistics that you get to be the creator and let other people handle all the day-to-day -day stuff. Yeah, that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> So good. And so obviously like things are starting to, to grow even more now. Is there any, like when you start to then think about that next level vision for your business, what do you feel there's, what do you feel you need to learn or grow in order to step into that? Yeah, I think kind of like I was talking about earlier, we've done such an amazing job of networking with our own little, within our own little bubble. I think where, where I am right now in that sort of pivot or expansion opportunity is introducing us to strangers. Like they've never heard of us. They don't know who I am. They have no idea what we're up to and being able to introduce them to the brand and how we create and helping them understand what the value is because people in our community, they're like, yeah, totally get the value. I know half of your hosts. I listen to all these shows. Great. Sign me up. It's people outside of that people outside of personal development, men <laughs> who are like, wait, I don't understand what's in this for me. Who are you? What's this about? And so just getting really good at having those conversations um, and understanding how to market Soulfire at a higher level. That's kind of where we are right now. And I'm, I'm reading every marketing book under the sun and learning about that and also not being afraid to pitch this thing that I believe in so wholeheartedly. It's so easy to tell a friend or a friend of a friend about it because it feels comfortable. But what about when it feels uncomfortable and you're getting questions you never have before? How do you explain it? How do you show up to that conversation? And that's where I know that there's a lot of room for me to grow as a leader. Mm, absolutely. I think, you know, one of my mentors said to me once, like, if you're not in a place of being uncomfortable almost every single day, she's like, you are not growing. And I was like, oh my goodness, like it makes you really stop and, you know, have that self-awareness to be like, 
what am I actually doing that is uncomfortable? Where am I challenging myself? And I like to think about that like the imposter syndrome, like we all experience the imposter syndrome. But if it's been a while since you've experienced it, then you're probably not doing something that's uncertain or that's challenging or that's going to actually grow you because you continue to do the same things that make you feel comfortable. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Getting outside of your comfort zone is everything. And we have such a fear of the unknown. And that's been one of my biggest lessons over the last four or five years in my own growth is I like to talk about it. It's like a box with a pretty bow on top and we all have this life and that's where we live and it's comfortable and we know what to expect and we have our routines and the whole thing. And maybe we're in a crappy relationship. We hate our job. We don't like our bodies, but at least we know what's coming next. Right. Yeah. And so you can live there and it kind of sucks, or you can take a step out and in, into the unknown outside of your comfort zone. And there's yes, a ton of fear so much unknown. You don't know what's going to happen next, but that's where all the possibility lies. That's where all of the adventure and the excitement and the, I get to create my life from scratch lies. And so do you want to live in the same, you know, go round and round and round the merry go round inside this box? Or do you want to take a leap of faith and say, yeah, this is really scary. I don't know what I'm doing, but man, I have all this opportunity that I never even knew was possible. That's it. And that's the thing is it's, you don't know until you actually take the action and do it, right? Like you can't sit there and think that, oh, I know all the possibilities that could come about. Like, no, you've got no clue unless you actually step in and do it. Is Has there been a time in your life, in your business that you feel that you've pushed through that fear and it's opened up doors or it's challenged you in new ways that you just never thought was possible? Yeah. I mean, I think I do it all the time. I'm I'm sort of a type A control freak perfectionist, <laughs> people pleaser, like we were talking about, which is a whole episode on its own. But I, I'm constantly worried about how will this come across to someone or how, how will this make me look or, but what if it doesn't work and the doubt creeps in and I have to constantly have conversations with myself around, you've always figured it out. It's okay. If it doesn't work, you get to pivot and try something differently. Not everything I've done with soul fire has worked. There have been plenty of things where we're like, and fail. And that's actually been the best thing for us. And I've, I think so much of my life, people have looked at me and I've worried so much about how I look, how I come across. And I think that's a a tough pill I've had to swallow and say, does it actually matter what they think? Are you in integrity? Are you getting uncomfortable? Are you growing? And if you're checking all those boxes, then that's all that matters. And just having honest conversations with myself every time something comes up. Is this a limiting belief? Is this a pattern from your mom that you are taking in and this is her system and not yours? Understanding how to discern between those things, you know, taking feedback from a client and saying, is this a client? And that's their feedback. And I honor and respect that, but that's not how we operate. And knowing that to stay in integrity as we are, we take that and sort of move forward. So I think, yeah, it's a, it's a daily conversation to be honest. And I I don't know that that ever goes away. I haven't been doing this long enough to say it does. But I think as long as we're honest with ourselves and willing to confront those things, I think you can always overcome any of that. Yeah. And I think it's also like from what I got from that was like having your back no matter what, like having your own back in the process of failing or in the process of things going wrong. And I think that that also supports you to take the action because you're like, well, I'm going to do it and I'm going to be scared and I'm going to possibly make mistakes. But if you're okay with yourself in the process of it, like it's open, you're open yourself to growth, that I think that that's okay then. Because if I think when people get really stuck is that they're actually judging themselves on making those mistakes or they're making that failure means something more than it really needs to and that actually stops them by taking action because it's the negative self-talk of the dialogue that's going on that's actually worse right that self-disappointment or the self-loathing that we have we can possibly have with our self-talk is stopping us from moving forward because 
even if we did the thing, we'd probably beat ourselves up. Right. One, it's kind of like what we were saying earlier. If your business is you, it is your identity, then you're always going to go there. But if you can separate the two and say, my business is its own entity and energy, and I'm going to, of course, infuse myself into this and I'm going to make decisions, but just because something doesn't work, isn't a reflection of how terrible of a person I am or how stupid I am. Right. It's not about that. It's, it's your response to those moments of, okay, I made a decision that didn't go well. How do I respond to this? That really is what defines our character that defines who we are as people. And I think that our businesses are just extensions of growth for us. They're mirrors for us. Whatever is going on in the business, I can kind of tell because it's a reflection of what's going on in my personal life and how I'm infusing that energy into it. And I think if you just take it as that and not that my whole business is my entire identity, then you don't have to fall and crumble every time something goes wrong. You you can look at it from a higher level and say, oh, interesting. That didn't work. I thought that was going to work. Okay. What's a different way to go about this? And you learn so much more about your business and yourself when you can do that. Mm, That's it. Opening yourself up to having that awareness. And I like that, taking that step back. You do need to take that step back. Otherwise you can internalize it or make it something about yourself for sure. Love that. And so I would love to know what was something that you wish you had known about business before getting into it? Oh God, what do I wish I had known? Well, maybe it was best that you didn't know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, clients can be a pain in the ass. Being, I, I sometimes our COO and I will joke, we'll be like messaging on Slack and we're like, why are we in client services again? <laughs> I think that I didn't necessarily realize how much people managing I would be doing of people that are not on my team, managing emotions, managing crises, managing, oh my God, everything's crumbling. What do I do? So much of what I do is not about podcasts. It's about people's personal lives and their businesses as a whole. The podcasts are just like one part of that. And people trust us and they really value our opinion. So I'm on calls constantly strategizing someone's business, figuring out like, you know, they can't fill up a a course or a program. What's going wrong? How are they communicating it wrong? Those kinds of things. And, you know, there are also people who are just not very professional and are rude and don't want to adhere to contracts. And I just, I didn't know that that was going to be such a thing going in. I've always adhered to contract. I'm like, I owe you for six months. I pay you for six months. That's what it is. But people will people. And so we learn a lot about how to navigate that and manage those conversations and, and also have a lot of grace because everyone's going through something and on their own path. And again, it's not always, you know, a poor reflection of them. Maybe it's just where they are in their life. So I think that's something I didn't realize. I think the one thing that I actually have done incredibly well is ask for help. And I was never good at that before I started this. I always was like, I have to be strong. I won't cry. I need to look like I have it all together. I am perfect. And when I started this, I just realized there's so much I didn't know. And I have time and time again, gone to other people. I mean, when our business was about to die because of COVID, I called a friend who owns an incredibly successful gym in LA. And I'm like, yo, I need your help. I need your guidance. I don't know what to do here. I've never been in this situation. And he was so kind and generous with his time. And it gave me confidence. And I think the more we can ask for help and the more we can admit when we don't know something and just be vulnerable, people want to help good people who are willing to ask for help. And I've learned so much about that in the last couple of years. And so I'm happy to admit, I don't know lots of things and I just surround myself with really smart, amazing people. (laughs) And I just say, who do I get to call out of the Rolodex today for this one? (laughs) 
And I think that's amazing though, to have that attitude to it, right? Because we can't do it all on our own. And I think that by staying in that headspace, we're actually cutting ourselves off to so much support and help and actually enjoyment in the, in business, right? Like if we, and I resonate with that so much. Like I feel like I've gone through a stage of that where I was always like, I best do it myself. I just do it better myself. And I had struggled with like VAs and just support and people that I would hire. But I was like, I had to come back to realization of like, well, actually it's my leadership and my inability to release some of the control or trust that someone else can do a better job. And I think that we all go through that as leaders to to step out of that and realize that, hang on a minute, it can be so good. Like the team I have now, oh, I'm so happy. Like it's so nice and it can really be yeah. an enjoyable part of the business rather than this horrible thing that just causes you more angst because you're trying to do it all on your own. So asking for help is massive. That's really, really powerful. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So I... I guess like to wrap things up, I would love to know, is there any wisdom that you would love to share to business owners that maybe haven't started a podcast that you think maybe should get into a podcast? And is there anything that you think that they would need to know in order to overcome that fear of podcasting? Yeah. First thing is not everyone needs to have a podcast. That's good. <laughs> um, I know that I probably shouldn't say that, um, <laughs> but here's the thing is just because, you know, your counterpart or someone else in your business has a podcast doesn't just mean you should. There's a few things that I always like to ask people initially to help them better understand. Does it make sense for you to have a show? I think one thing is, have you already established a community that's going to listen to the show? Because if you don't have a community before you launch a podcast, especially now, this was different five years ago, but in the landscape now, if you don't have community, wherever that is, it can be LinkedIn, Instagram, your email list. I don't care. If you don't have people there already, it's going to fall on deaf ears. Podcasts don't grow in the podcast app. That's just not how it works. It's like I said, there's 2.3 million podcasts in there. So it's nearly impossible to find podcasts. You have to know exactly what you're looking for. So make sure you have a community built already that is extremely loyal, that wants to hear you, that wants to buy whatever you have, join whatever you have. That is number one. Number two is, are they asking you for a podcast? Maybe you're not a great speaker. Maybe you're not a good interviewer. Maybe you are best in written emails, in blog format, in, you know, small, small group coaching, but on a podcast, maybe it just isn't going to come across well. Or if you do video content and people just don't watch it, but they'll gobble up anything you write, your books, all of that. Understanding if this is the right medium for you, because if people aren't already asking you for it, they're probably not going to show up to listen to it just because. Um, so I think those are two really important questions to ask yourself. And then the last thing I would say is what's the goal of the show? So many people come to me and they're like, I ask them why they want to have a podcast or what the point is, and they don't have an answer. Well, I think I'm supposed to have a podcast. Everyone has a podcast. That's not a good answer. <laughs> the goal has to be super clear because the goal is what creates the messaging. It creates the funnels. It creates why you're there, why people need to listen. You have to guide people to a podcast. And so if you're not clear on your goal of my goal is to funnel this into my mastermind and my one-on-one -on -one programs. And this is my free resources, my free resource. And I talk about these five things and you know, this is where people come for that, whatever that looks like. Get as clear and specific on your goal as possible and know how it fits into your business already before you launch so that people are very clear on why they're coming. Because most people don't realize it is such a hand-holding process to take someone from another platform to get them to go listen to your podcast. We've had clients that come to us with hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram 
and they get a hundred downloads in their first week. And they're like, how is this possible? <laughs> I have so many followers. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not promoting it. You're not taking them from one place to another. People are lazy. They need to be taken. They need to understand what the value is. Maybe you're already providing too much value on Instagram. So like, why would I go listen to a podcast now? There's no point. There's so many things that you have to pay attention to before ever launching the show. Um, so those are some of the things I would ask myself. All of those three things, honestly, that's absolute wisdom right there. I totally agree with you. I was literally having a conversation with one of my clients recently about this because she was like, oh, I think I want to start a podcast. And I was like, why? But why? <laughs> And I'm like, don't do it just because I have one, right? Like I started it in a very different place. Like I started it as my main resource of information, right? Like it was, mm -hmm. I started my, like I think five years ago now, and it was a completely different space. So people were able to find you and you're right. The platform does not add more listeners to your podcast. Like it's not like it's happening. <laughs> um, and you're so right. Like if you don't have the community to actually back it up, it doesn't actually support. It just is another piece of content that you have to create. And I feel like there's other, the, the other piece around like consistency or having something so valuable that they go to. So I see some podcasts that are really powerful that they like launch a whole season in one drop and that drives lots of traffic or they're actually just very consistent and they've been doing it forever. So people build that loyalty. Do you see that as well? Yeah, hundred percent. That's one of the things when we first started, we learned our lesson really quickly because we had a lot of, we have a lot of doctors and, um, you know, people in real estate. And so they're super busy and they came to us and like, well, we won't really want to have a podcast, but we only want to do two a month. And so we were catering to that and saying, sure, we'll offer you this package. And those podcasts just tank. No one listens to shows that have two episodes a month. There's no way to grow, especially because Apple, since we've started, has changed the way shows show up in the podcast app. And so if you're not constantly putting out shows, you're always at the bottom and people just don't go to the bottom. They're not going to listen unless they're like your diehard fan that has to listen every week. And that's just really rare. So we always tell people consistency is key. People have to know what they're coming for. They need to know what to expect. If you're a spirituality podcast and all of a sudden you start talking about business, you're going to lose people. That's just what it is because they're going to come to you for business. That's what you talk about, right? Like people think that, oh, well, I can talk about anything. One of the things I always tell people, stop trying to be Oprah. <laughs> you don't need to be Oprah. Oprah is Oprah. So she can talk about whatever she wants with whoever she wants. And that is what she has done. And she spent a lifetime creating that. But you're a podcaster and many people don't know who you are. Stick with your niche. Talk about what you know. People need to know what to expect and put a show out every single week. If you can't stick to that, don't have a podcast. Oh, amen. I totally agree. Absolutely agree. <laughs> and I think sometimes people go, oh, well, my Instagram isn't working or Facebook isn't working. So I'll go try these other platforms. It's like, no, double down oh, and yeah. figure out why the hell that's not working because it's also not mm -hmm. going to work on the podcast because you're obviously not clear on your message or what you're actually delivering. Like... <laughs> Yes. If you would like to work for me, please do, because you get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kelly, it's been so fun chatting with you. Thank you so much for sharing such wisdom with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I loved it. It's been my pleasure. I'll make sure that I pop all the links in the show notes so people can check out Soulfire Productions and come hang out with you on Instagram. I really appreciate you showing up and sharing such beautiful, genuine information today. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Next Level Life podcast. I'd love to hear any takeaways that you've had from today's episode, so please share with me on Instagram and Facebook. And if you feel so moved, please pass this episode on to any friends or family that you feel may benefit from it. Looking forward to speaking with you next week, and here's to taking your life to the next level.